0: From Olympic City and the home of Pikes Peak, this is the Automotive ADHD Show. Oh, yeah, here we are rocking it on the Automotive ADHD Show, heard around the world as a podcast. And right here in Southern Colorado on the radio, catch it Saturday mornings, 91.7 KLZR, Voice of the Wet Mountain Valley. Matt West here hanging out with you to talk about cars, and I have a loaded, loaded, packed show for you today. I'm going to have a special guest joining me in the third half of the show. He's an Army veteran who's devoted to mental health, and he'll be talking about how he sees cars as a therapy tool For folks who struggle with PTSD, this is going to be a really interesting talk. His name is Sean Bedingfield, and I can't wait to have him on here in the third segment of the show. You definitely need to stick around and listen to the whole show for that. It's going to be really good. Now, before we talk about that, we're also going to talk about Daylight Savings Time and how that causes more crashes relating to deer. Yeah, this is an interesting study about this. So we're going to touch on that. Amazon is also using new electric vehicles. Ooh, big deal. But I think they are actually using electric vehicles for what electric vehicles are good at and what I think electric vehicles have a practical use for. So we're going to talk about that, my thoughts on that, and we will get to the nuttiest, craziest pass in NASCAR history. Maybe not in all of NASCAR history, but in recent history. Uh, and it's something you've only seen in video games, and one driver pulled it off in real life. <laughs> it's gonna be nuts. I'll tell you about that. We'll also get to this month's car sound winner of the month. How cool is that? It could be you. So uh you gotta listen to that. We're gonna get into that in the second segment of the show. I am going to announced that so a lot of really really tons of stuff to talk about today i mean it it is when i say a packed show i definitely mean it and uh, you're definitely tuning into the correct car show so uh yeah there you go now hey before we get to uh, before we get to any of that if you love cars if you love cars and and i know you do because you're listening to this show you should love the RPM Act. I'm talking about this every week. If you're getting sick of hearing me talk about it, then go complain to your state representatives. Hey, this guy on this, this stupid car show keeps talking about it, and he says he won't shut up until you do something about it. So what the RPM Act is, is it is our protection against the EPA. The EPA wants to take away your ability to turn street cars into competition-only track cars. Uh, they're going to kill off grassroots motorsports, and uh, they don't care. The, the little guy... You and me wrenching on our cars in our garage. They don't care about us. They want us gone, in fact. And um, this doesn't affect NASCAR or F1 in any way, shape, or form. And this also affects your ability to modify your streetcar. Because if they put the companies out of business that make track parts, those same companies are often the same people who make your fun street legal modified parts and things like that. Your uh, catback exhausts, your aftermarket wheels, you know, uh, things like that. And you don't want to lose that. So you need to check out the RPM Act, support the RPM Act, go to saveourracecars.com and put a stop to the EPA's evil plans to kill motorsports and kill grassroots motorsports. They say, no, we love motorsports. Well, yeah, they love NASCAR and F1 because they have millions and billions and billions of dollars. You and I don't, but we do have the RPM Act. Check it out. I know you're tired of politics. This uh, midterm election is coming up. You may The midterm may already be over by the time you're listening to this. So regardless, um, support the people who support the RPM Act. Saveourracecars.com. Go check it out. Now, I want to talk about um, deer. And daylight savings time. You may be uh, coming off of the new time change. Maybe you're a little dreary-eyed and a little uh, a little shaken by your change in sleep schedule. For me, I don't know. When we, when we go back an hour in the fall, uh, I don't really notice it just because I'm perpetually <laughs> sleep-deprived and I get an extra hour of sleep, which is nice. Um, but it does mess up some people. And uh, our friends in other countries who listen to this show who maybe don't observe daylight savings time are like, what is he talking about? Yeah, we do this weird thing in the United States, except for Arizona, because they know what's up. But we do this weird thing where we go back an hour or go forward an hour, depending on the season. In the springtime, uh, we go forward an hour. And in the fall, we go back an hour. And, um, you know, as the saying goes, spring forward, fall back. Uh, And it it goes back a long ways. It's got its roots in agriculture and things like that. Uh, Really doesn't make a lot of sense, in my opinion, in a modern society. Uh, but alas, we still do it out of uh, tradition's sake, for whatever reason we do. And I've heard some pretty good arguments either way, for keeping it or for getting rid of it. Now, that being said, this is a car show. And how does this relate to cars? Well, the thing is, when you start, when you when you change the clocks back, when you go back an hour in the fall, that means that it gets dark earlier. and when it gets dark earlier, Um, you're driving at night more often. And when you're driving at night, and especially around dusk, uh, here in Colorado, it gets dark now at like 5 o'clock, like 5 p.m. And in the dead, dead of winter, um, I usually see it get dark around like 4.30. The sun's already dipped behind the mountains. And bear in mind, we got these big, tall mountains that the sun dips behind in the west. So we lose the daylight even earlier. So really like 4 o'clock, 4.15, the sun might be behind the mountains, and then it might be totally dark by 5 o'clock. And, um, with that deer and other wildlife tends to be really active around, um, around, around dusk. That's when they, I guess that's when the deer go frolic in the road is around dusk. And I will say, I see them a lot driving here in Colorado. I see them all the time. Weirdly enough, even in the city here in Colorado Springs, it's a fairly decent sized city. I will drive down. Uh, through the city center, through downtown, and there'll be deer jumping across the street, even in the city. So uh, this is something we contend with here, but by no means is it exclusive to Colorado. In fact, most of America deals with deer. And a recent study found that um, during the fall, there are 16% more deer versus car collisions. And that is directly, they say, um, that is causational from daylight savings time because we suddenly, instead of driving at, say, six o'clock and, you know, basically our, you know, say our rush hour time, the time everyone's leaving, you know, work and going home uh, during daylight savings time during the summer means that we're driving before the deer are really out around dusk. Um, but by going to standard time, what happens is it gets dark earlier and then our human rush hour is now suddenly in the deer's time, that they are frolicking through the road and playing in the streets and doing whatever it is that deer do. Uh, I'm sure they do something. Uh, but that said, it, it intersects with that, and that's why we get more crashes. According to this this study, they say, at least in the study, 16% more crashes, and again, they hypothesize that this is the reason. Um, And this uh, this study comes from um, the University of Washington and researchers there um, found that without they say without um, going back out of daylight savings time, the U.S. would see thirty six thousand five hundred and fifty fewer collisions if we just stayed uh, on the daylight savings time. Uh, And that also attributes for an average 33 human deaths a year and over 2,000 injuries. And it could save $1.2 billion in crash costs every year, according to the study, Uh, which is, um, in my opinion a good argument for staying on daylight savings time. That is my opinion. That's a good argument. Let's stay on daylight savings time. Now, I'll admit, I'm not that big of a morning person. Yeah, I get up early in the morning to go do work and do other things. But if you leave me to it, I like to get up around like 8 o'clock. I'm, I'm by no means a, uh early riser. I'm not the guy first out of bed at 5 a.m. That's just not me. But then again, I'm really productive in the evening hours. You know, I guess you could call me a, uh, <laughs> a night person. I don't know. But that said, um, I've never been a fan of switching back to standard time. I like daylight savings time because in the in the evening, in the afternoon, you got more time. You got more time to do stuff. You got more time to wrench on cars in your driveway before it gets dark. And that's what counts. I think I mean, granted, with this study, this just provides some numbers to it. But I, I think we should abolish the time change. Now, granted, if we abolished the time change, likely we would go back to standard time, which is what we're on now. I'm not really a fan of that. Just keep it daylight savings time all the time. I wouldn't have any issues with that. Um, So a few places in the United States don't do the time change uh, every year. Arizona is one of them. And last time I checked, everyone in Arizona is still alive or for the most part. So (laughs) I don't know. Now that does bring me to another uh, interesting point, by the way, which are what are your odds of hitting a deer driving? Uh, And there was a study back from 2018 that linked into this. Just interesting food for thought. The State where you are most likely to strike a deer um, is uh, the state of Pennsylvania, with uh, one out of 43, uh, one out of every 43 crashes or insurance claims. This comes from uh, the State Farm Insurance Company. They do this uh, study every so often to determine industry wide. Uh, what the chance of deer strikes are. Insurance companies need to know this so they can know how much to bill you for insurance if you're in a high deer strike area. Pennsylvania, one out of every 43 claims, insurance claims, is a deer strike versus where I'm at in Colorado, one out of every 253. Um, Some of the states where it's less likely, um, California, one out of every 1,117. And uh, Hawaii, Takes the uh, takes the cake for one out of every 6,823 claims. I'm surprised. I didn't even know there were deer in Hawaii, but probably not very many, obviously, because, uh, yeah, one out of every 6,000, almost 7,000 claims is a deer strike. Because I guess deer probably, it might just be a, a biological thing, but I don't imagine they're very well suited for um, swimming through the ocean. I don't think that's what deer are very good at. So uh, that that might that might explain why. I just just a hypothesis, just uh, <laughs> just spitballing here. That could be why um why deer uh, aren't there in Hawaii much. If I have any Hawaiian listeners, let me know if you've hit a deer. I've never I've never heard of deer in Hawaii. I usually think of things like I don't know, spam and volcanoes and beaches and stuff. That's what I think of with Hawaii. So uh, anyway, hey, there you go. Got a lot of other stuff to get to here. We're going to talk about NASCAR and the craziest pass maybe
1: of all time. That's next. At the Speed Council, we understand that to go fast, you sometimes need to spend fast. As the inventor of hypersonic travel, the world's fastest cat and instant noodles, we know what it takes. Money. Your contributions, bribes, and other monetary gifts keep the lights on at the Speed Council. However, we also know that giving back to our supporters is important, and now through the month of November, if you have contributed to the cause of Speed, you're eligible to receive the automotive ADHD keychain free of charge. New supporters who join through the end of November are also eligible. When you support the Speed Council, you also receive your favorite podcasts early, or as one might say, faster. For more information, visit thespeedcouncil.org, because if there's anything we're fast at, it's spending money.
0: Oh yeah, here we are rocking it for the second segment of the Automotive ADHD show. Matt West here, talking cars with you. That car sound was courtesy of Aaron. That was his 1995 Nissan 240SX, uh, pushing about 320 to the wheel. Now, those weren't just any slides, not just any skids. And the reason I bring him up, you've heard his car sound before. I've played it a few times. I really enjoy it. But there is a good reason I bring his car sound up this time. A, because those were wedding donuts congratulations again but b because aaron is the winner of this month's car sound of the month giveaway yes here's the drum roll on a the desk there we go aaron is the winner and uh congratulations aaron to uh not only getting married but congratulations to uh Winning the Car Sound of the Month giveaway. I don't know which one you find more important. I'm <laughs> just kidding. I, obviously, it's winning the giveaway, right? No, I'm, I'm, I'm just joking. But that said, you are the winner. And uh, I'll reach out to you over, um, over the Facebook page here. Uh, in the next couple days, get your address, get everything sent out to you. And in case you're wondering what you win, you win the Automotive ADHD keychain. It's a nice, embroidered, durable... I, I, I like this keychain. It's really good. Uh, I have it on all of my keychains. Like All my keys have my own keychain on them. A, because it's you know mine, but B, because I actually like it. It's really useful. Uh, but you also get the Automotive ADHD sticker, the As Heard on the Automotive ADHD Show sticker. And you get a $25 parts store gift card. Uh, which I know it's 25 bucks. It's a little drop in the bucket, but every little bit helps when you're working on a project car. And uh, so, yeah, there you go, Aaron. Thank you for sending that car sound in. You win. And uh, anyone else who is interested in winning, well, you got to send those car sounds in. Now, I pull my list of winners every single month uh, from the total, the the totality of them. So if you've sent in car sounds in the past um, and you didn't win this month, you you're still in the drawing to win. So chances are eventually you will win ultimately, no matter what. So you should, you should just send them in facebook.com slash automotive ADHD. Now, next thing I want to get to here, I'm moving kind of fast through these topics because I do have my guest coming up here in the third half of the show. He is a army veteran who is devoted to mental health. And uh, he's going to talk about using cars as a therapy item for mental health. It's really cool. This is a fascinating interview. You definitely have to stick around to the end of the show for it. Uh, But before we get to that, Moving fast through stuff. we got a lot of stuff to get to. Amazon is um, expanding their fleet. And why, why am I talking about it? Ooh, boring. It's Amazon. But it's interesting. So they have a fleet of uh, delivery vans that are being manufactured by Rivian, the electric uh, vehicle company who makes the uh, the Rivian. The pickup truck they make, I think, is uh, an interesting application of an electric vehicle. And now they're also doing a SUV you know, a big honking SUV that's electric. Again, SUVs sell, pickup trucks sell. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I do think the Rivian pickup truck is a sharp looking truck. It does look good. It's got all the lines you want, but it's electric though. Right now, the major concern with them is uh, quality control and some other things. There've been, uh, uh, their fancy power tonneau cover, by the way, um, They've stopped selling that because it breaks. It doesn't work. But these are the things you deal with with the new auto manufacturer. Now, that said, they did get a contract, though, to do Rivian's delivery vehicle to do Rivian's uh, make that do Amazon's delivery vehicles. And uh, why is this interesting? Because I think that electric vehicles. We'll get into my opinions on electric vehicles. Longtime listeners know my opinions on them. I'm consistent with it. Though I notice, I look at my statistics, I have a lot of new listeners. I I really appreciate you listening and jumping on board with the show. Uh, And you maybe haven't heard my thoughts in the past on this. But the fact is that I think electric vehicles are uniquely adept. They are uniquely suited to being delivery vehicles. They're really good at that. Yes, we all know Teslas are fast they're crazy fast uh, they're also crazy expensive but they're fast and we i appreciate that i acknowledge that tesla builds a fast car and that electric cars in general have the potential for being really fast though i do not believe that electric cars make for good sports cars people say oh how ignorant of you you don't you know that electric cars are faster than than everything else you have yes i know that and i don't think they make good sports cars still because i believe in a traditional sports car. Um, You know, you want it to be light. You want it to be engaging. The biggest thing is you want it to be engaging to the driver. And I don't get that sense with a lot of electric cars. Um, And by engaging, I mean, involve you mechanically with the car. Um, Naturally aspirated engine, maybe turbocharged is fine, but a manual transmission, um, you know, responsive steering, you and the machine. And I feel like electric cars are too clinical. They're too, they're just in a weird way. They're too good. They're too efficient at what they do to be engaging to me as a sports car. Are they faster than any car I have? Of course they are. Are they faster than most things on the road? Yeah, of course they are, but that's not the point. If I was looking for sheer speed, then I would be looking at a different car than a traditional sports car anyway. So that's that's my two cents there. Sports cars, I really don't believe should be electric. And I mean, the whole sound of sports cars, that's part of the engagement you get. Um, where I think electric does make some sense is, uh, for instance, trucks, pickup trucks. Um, pickup trucks have the ability to have much larger batteries in them. They're bigger overall, and uh, they benefit from the lower center of gravity that electric vehicles provide with the battery packs and everything. Um, and they benefit from the crazy, ludicrous amounts of instant torque that electric is capable of delivering. However, currently, currently, um, electric pickup trucks are proving to be problematic just purely because of the energy density that you have with the current lithium-ion battery technology um you know for instance uh, TFL car a uh, publication by the way out of um i believe Boulder Colorado they're right in my own backyard here in Colorado as well they did a range test towing specifically towing with the Ford F150 Lightning and found that towing a reasonable load a significant load like a travel trailer like a car hauler things like that a heavy load drastically i mean drastically reduces the range they got like 90 miles before they started having to look for a charger and that's just not good. That's not good yet. So, in that regard, actually using an electric truck as a truck, um, actually u- using it to do work, uh, I don't think we're there yet. Though, if your pickup truck duties um, ha- revolve around you know hauling the kids around and occasionally putting the you know dogs in the back or moving a kayak or two or some mountain bikes, yeah, an electric truck is just fine. Uh, but for doing work, we're not there yet. But where we are, there. I think is with delivery vehicles and Amazon using electric vehicles as delivery vehicles makes a lot of sense. And I talked about this way back, um, probably like eight months ago when the U.S. Postal Service was looking for a new mail truck. You know, they've been using the Grumman LLV, the classic mail truck from the 80s and up. Uh, They've been using those for forever. They're just literally falling apart. They're driving them into the ground. And they've been looking for a new mail vehicle. And I was kind of critical of them for not looking at an electric option because as a fleet operator, and imagine you've got a big fleet of these. Imagine you've got a thousand of these. By the way, that's how many um, uh, vehicles Amazon ordered from Rivian was a thousand. Um, Maintenance costs, oil changes, air filters, all this stuff you have to manage a big fleet of those is totally nil and pointless with an electric vehicle. Uh, Obviously, electric vehicles, you have to maintain suspension and brakes and a few other things. But overall, the maintenance is lighter. And with fleet vehicles and delivery vehicles, ideally, they're going out, making deliveries and then coming back to the warehouse and charging overnight and then going out the next day, doing deliveries, going back to the warehouse and charging. So the whole notion of, um, you know, doing long distance trips and not having chargers, it's not a problem for, you know, intercity inside the city type of deliveries. Electric cars make so much sense for that. that's that's like what I think they should be pre- predominantly for. We're not there with trucks yet. We should never get there with sports cars because they're just not going to be as good sports cars. Yeah, they'll be faster, but they won't be sports cars. they won't be driver's cars um, but uh, delivery vehicles just make sense. I, again, you're you know think of it like this. you're going around you're delivering the mail and you're driving 20 feet, stopping putting the, you know, envelopes in the box, putting a package on the front step, driving another 20 feet, stopping, driving another 20 feet, stopping, driving another 20 feet, and so on and so on. That's what electric cars are good at. There's no engine idling. There's none of that. And honestly, your efficiency, because you're not idling and because you're not starting and stopping the car and using all the fuel to do that, um, electric just makes sense for that. And so I um, I think it's interesting that Amazon did this, and I think it's honestly a good thing that they did this. And, uh, we'll see where they go with that. We'll see if more people have to pick up on that, but enough. Anyway, enough about boring old delivery vehicles and stuff. We got to talk. I got to get through these topics fast to get to my guest, but I got to get to this one. We got to talk NASCAR because, uh, (laughs) because NASCAR man. Oh, okay. So the craziest pass, uh, in recent NASCAR history, uh, happened, Last weekend, so not this past weekend, but the weekend before, I totally missed this. I failed in my duties as an informed uh, talk show host who sometimes talks about, you know, cars, um, to tell you about this. Because this actually happened on the um, Sunday, the 30th, and it was incredible. Um, So it involved a couple of drivers, namely Ross Chastain um, has uh, completely renewed my faith in the sport of NASCAR. And I've been critical of NASCAR. I've been critical of F1. I've been critical of a lot of racing uh, lately. Uh, I do love the grassroots stuff. I love the Pikes Peak hill climb. I mean, you can listen. You can go back through the episode feed and listen to my coverage uh, live from the hill climb. I was there. It was cool. We had uh, Jimmy Ford on as a driver. It was great. It was great. Um, But NASCAR, I've always been a little critical of it. But this has absolutely renewed my faith in the entirety of NASCAR. NASCAR. Um, and um, this happened at the Martinsville Speedway. Uh, and what happened essentially is, uh, and you know what? Before I even tell you what happened, I just got to play the sound clip for you. Listen listen to this. Check this out. And the fight for the point, right at the line. The one of Chastain passed Hamlin. It was a video game move off into turn three. He put the
1: car against the wall wide
0: open all the, right, all the way around turn three and four. Oh, man. Oh, man. That sounded exciting. So let me kind of like break down for you what happened there. It was the last lap, the last lap. And Chastain was a few cars back from the front, and they were going around the bend. One of the turns um, getting towards the finish line. The flag was there. They were waving the checkered flag. And what Chastain does is he keeps his speed up. And I guarantee if you've played any sort of racing video game, you've done this. He kept his speed up and slammed the car into the wall and just pinned it to the wall and used the centrifugal force from that to maintain the speed and slingshotted himself past a number of other cars. He passed Denny Hamlin in the number 11 car and sealed his position in championship four uh, in Phoenix, where just this last weekend he crossed the finish line in third, um, just at this last race, but I, he would not have even made it into the championship. Had he not done this again, again, you've be, you've probably played a car video game where you're driving through and you're trying to pass someone and you just throw the car into the wall because it's a video game and, you know, physics and, you know, damage. It's not really a thing in a lot of video games, right? So you'd slam it into the wall, slingshot the car through the wall and then out of the turn. Well, he did that in real life. He pulled it off in real life. And And, uh, you know, this is one of those things that on camera being there at the event, hearing the announcers, uh, that was, uh, Rick Allen from NBC on the call, by the way. Um, and you could hear his excitement as well. Oh man. It was, uh, an enthusiastic thing. I don't think I've ever actually seen somebody do this in racing. It does prove that what works in the video games can work in real life. It's just no one's had the balls to actually try it. Uh, and you do have to commend, um, Ross Chastain for his, um, I guess you could say testicular fortitude in this, uh, in this situation, folks on Twitter, uh, were quick to jump at the fact and say, I don't know how he could drive so fast considering the weight of those big, you know, you, you know what I mean? You know, he's, he's, uh, <laughs> he, he definitely did it. He pulled it off. And, uh, and that is just absolutely insane. What a cool pass there. And uh, I didn't I wasn't even tuned into NASCAR. That's why I missed it, because I'm like, eh, it's NASCAR. It's getting weird. It's getting too rule heavy. It's turning into F1. Uh, and then this happened. And um, I guess uh, I, I won't say they've won a consistent NASCAR viewer, but I'm, I am I got to keep up with it now. I got to keep up with what uh, Ross Chastain is doing. That guy. Uh, and the fact, the fact, too, that last week or this past weekend in Phoenix, he placed number third after that whole thing. Now, he didn't do any crazy wall slingshotting um, in this last race, which is a bummer because he could have done it and could have won again. (laughs) What would happen if that suddenly just becomes the thing drivers do? Like Everyone does it, just riding along the wall. It probably wouldn't work if everyone did it. But, oh man, and what's crazy too um, is I saw an analysis of the race that he did that in on the 30th, and uh, they said that most drivers didn't get out of third and fourth gear. They said, for the most part they were driving in fourth gear through that race. And he said, no, I was pinned in fifth the whole way. (laughs) Full send. That is the meaning of full send. And he did it. So again, I have to, uh, I just have to give kudos where kudos are due because that was a uh, spectacular thing. And um, yeah, again, fantastic stuff. Fantastic stuff. You couldn't ask for better racing. And uh, I'm sure the corporate You know, big wigs at NASCAR probably um, uh, what's likely is they probably gave him a stern talking to and said, please don't crash your car into our walls and use our walls as a slingshot. You're going to ruin the ads that are painted on the walls." (laughs) And he probably goes, "Okay, I won't do it again. He did come out and say that he probably won't be doing that a second time, um, which I think is a shame because it was spectacular. But he said it was also one of the most terrifying things that he has ever done. Yet the man still did it and he still placed well congratulations to him. So there you go. Now, hey, um, what you got to do here is stick around for this last segment of the show. This is going to be a good one. I am talking to Sean Bedingfield, uh, who is an advocate for mental health. He's going to talk about how cars tie into that and how big of a part they played in his life as well. He's a, a retired Army guy, saw combat. Cars were a big thing for him. So we're going to talk about that here. You're going to hear that interview right here in just
1: a minute. And now for how things work with an engineer. Rotary engines. Regret. And that was how things work with an engineer. More of how things work can be found at facebook.com slash automotive ADHD.
0: Oh, yeah, here we are rocking it for the third half of the Automotive ADHD show. Those car sounds coming in from Devin. You know his car already. That is his supercharged 700-horsepower LS-swapped Volvo 240. (laughs) How cool is that? Another great car sound from him. That blower is just... Crazy! I can't get enough of that car. I'm clearly biased. I, and you know, he's already got a sticker. He's already got all the cool stuff. I, and and the, the car sounds just keep coming because they're awesome. So uh, anyway, if you want to sh- uh, send your car sounds into the show, if you want to share them, have a chance to have your car not only featured on the show but also to win a twenty-five dollar part store gift card as well as the keychain, the sticker all of the above. You got to check it out. It's really good stuff. Facebook.com slash automotive ADHD. Send your car sounds in. And because, you know, I it, this. I just are you doing it just for my sake? I don't think so. I think the world needs this. The world needs needs more car sounds, needs more people to hear them. So, yeah, do it. Now, anyway, I don't want to keep my guest waiting any longer. I'd like to welcome my next guest on. Now, he actually reached out to me and asked if I'd be interested in hearing his story. He's an Army veteran having served in Afghanistan, and he is a big advocate for the use of cars in promoting mental health. His name is Sean Bedingfield. Sean, welcome to Automotive ADHD. Hey, how's it going, Matt? Thanks for having me on, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. When you reached out to me and kind of said you wanted to connect mental health and and cars and that, that, that piqued my interest, obviously. And, you know, this is a car show. And, you know, we love cars. We, we use cars sometimes as an escape. And it made me think about that. And it was a really intriguing idea. And I definitely wanted to hear from you on that. Now, before we get into that, I want to get some of your backstory. Tell my listeners who you are and kind of where you come from.
2: Okay. So, uh... My name is Sean Uh, I was in the United States Army for about seven years. Uh, I'm medically retired. Uh, during that time in the Army, I was deployed to Afghanistan as an infantryman. Now, I'm medically retired from the Army, which means that I can't work. Um, part of that is due to the fact that I have uh, 100% ready for PTSD, uh, which means that I kind of can't go through the normal everyday life that everybody else gets to, um, given that that kind of impact on me. So um, that leaves me out here helping guys um, connect with one another, doing work, um, intervening in uh, mental health cases where peer support is really important uh, in the veteran community. That's kind of my background, how I got there into the mental health space. Largely, it's more, I guess we would define it these days as charity work. And and you and you you had mentioned to me as
0: well before we before we uh, did the interview here. So you mentioned to me that you kind of come from a you're, you're in a small community. There isn't necessarily as much support there um, for mental health and especially for veterans as well. And that so that's kind of ties into that
2: that peer to peer kind of thing you mentioned. Is that correct? yeah absolutely so um when it comes to rural living we don't have a lot of services out here so it's really hard to get uh, certain demographics of people connected with mental health Um, given that certain uh, um, strategies for mental health have been used in the past it leaves a large demographic of men not able to connect with the services or find ways that they could connect with positive mental health outcomes, just because um, some of the language barriers that are involved in dealing with mental health can be very hard to overcome for people who don't have a background in it. It's very lingo heavy, um, and that doesn't translate super well to um, a kind of a basic understanding of how it pertains to you as a human being. So out here in the rural area, we have car meets we have i mean as much as we can it's uh, we're trying to evolve strategies of dealing with uh mental health and connecting that to what we have where we have it and right here for our community of uh, people who aren't connected to mental health services we have our cars and car meets and car culture Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And that's a uh, uh, car culture is always a is a big source of community, especially in smaller communities where, you know, community maybe isn't as big of a thing. And uh, and we'll, we'll touch on that in, in a little bit here. Now, um, what are some of the challenges that servicemen face after returning um, back to the United States, and especially, like you said in your case as well, from active combat situations too. Uh, what are the sort of things? Give give my listeners some context on the sort of stuff that has to be dealt with in that case.
2: Yeah. So um, after I had medically retired from the army, I was uh, I was in a state. It was very hard for me to get out into society because I have an autonomic system that is pumping adrenaline into my body and having me stay on edge, kind of like really taut, like a piano wire. And at any point, uh, something could set me off into thinking I might be in danger. And then that gets my autonomic system going to pumping adrenaline, looking for things like uh, ways to escape, ways to fight, uh, looking for threats. So it can be very debilitating to be out in the real world. And that left me kind of um uh, everybody's familiar now with it because of the pandemic but that left me kind of shut away in my house for 2 years and I didn't really leave so uh that was some of the basis for me entering the mental health world is having overcome some of that
0: absolutely absolutely and and now so you kind of tied you know getting a little bit of an escape from that as well and I think a lot of people look to cars look to the enthusiast scene in that as an escape from you know, whatever it may be, be it work, be it, you know, um, difficulties in the family, all, all of that stuff. Cars are a great escape in that sense. How, how is that tied into what you have experienced? How do cars tie into that?
2: Yeah. So when I was getting back out into the world, having done a lot of work uh, mental health wise to be in a better place to just exist around normal people, <laughs> um, I had found that. I I bought a car that I felt a lot safer with because driving on the roads around people left me feeling, okay, these people aren't uh, taking the uh, severe nature of what can happen to you danger wise if you don't pay attention to driving. So I wanted a fast car so I could either get out of the way, I could stop on time, uh, more of a performance oriented vehicle. So that way I could feel a lot better personally about being out on the road. Uh, And having done that, I I bought a uh, four-tour show, which uh, it's a bit of a boat, but it does everything that I needed to do uh, in that regard. And in dealing with that and getting back out on the road, uh, I was able to kind of connect that with how I had driven cars in my past as a young lad before I joined, uh, the army and this, this kind of, I'm a car guy through and through my dad, he was a mechanic. Uh, I grew up around the shop, you know, and everybody knows in the shop, you got the hot rod magazines, you got oh, yeah. car and drive, <laughs> right? Track, uh, road and track. Uh, so I grew up around those cars, looking at that, uh, in kind of car culture, And as soon as I was 18 years old and I could get somebody to give me a loan, uh, you know, I was at the dealership uh, purchasing a 1998 uh, BMW M3 E36 four-door. It was an escape for me at the time, and I didn't realize it. But now having done the mental health work, going back and looking at that and connecting that with what I'm doing with my car now, I was able to see that that was a point in my life at a, that car, what it gave to me was a space where I could think I could reassociate with my body because on the road, when you're driving, uh, any driver knows this, you get a lot of feedback from your car. And that is a form of communication that you're learning. Uh, so we were all young and driving cars. I know everybody, for the most part, like had that kind of same experience that I did. You're young, you're driving your car, and now you're training your autonomic system. Having that input and having your body need to be uh, on point with where your brain is at and calculating all of that and translating, okay, what does that steering feel mean uh, on the road? And You're literally talking another language to your car through right. your tactile feedback. Um, and that can be a very good mental health space for people to take time and think about problems because it makes your brain and your body reassociate. And uh, there are various things in our society and culture that cause us to disassociate from our bodies. And when you're not uh, in that kind of conversation and you have your body in on the conversation, you don't get the benefits mental health wise because your body and your autonomic system plays a really big role in how you exist out in the world. And as evidence to that, my autonomic system, uh, would overreact out in the world. Why? Because I had been training my autonomic system as a young man in combat. And now here I'm left with this autonomic system that's been trained for certain things. So your autonomic system, i.e. your body, is very important in uh dealing with your mental health and making sure that you're present in that.
0: Okay, absolutely. And, you know, and I think in in a subconscious way, we all kind of experience that with cars because, you know, how many times have you been, you know, maybe frustrated with work or whatever, you know, or it's just been a it's been a long day and you go for a drive, even maybe on your drive back from work, for instance, you know, just thinking about that, you know, the the car is a great place where you do think of things. You do think of ideas. It is calming in a lot of ways. And I think a lot of us experience that without even really associating that. We just know, hey, this makes me feel a little better. I'm going to go out for a drive, you know. And and for me, you know, if I've had a long work week and I go out for a drive on the weekend, I mean, it's like, you, you know, that stress kind of just comes off of you. you. You go after that and you feel like, OK, I feel refreshed. I feel a little bit better. Um, and obviously you're, you're kind of you know, magnifying that on a on a larger scale, uh, especially when you're talking about severe cases of mental health relating to combat stress and things like that. And it's fascinating, you know, that you've kind of connected the dots here aside from just looking at, you know, OK, this makes me feel better. You've kind of looked into this is why this makes me feel better. This is why this helps me. And I think that's very cool.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like these are um, I know a lot of people don't have the time or space to do this kind of work. It's very difficult. Um and everybody has to work a job so that's kind of where i come in i'm retired and you know i'm just out here trying to help guys and here's a set of tools that uh i can give to everybody hey like look you can identify the role that your car plays in your life if you're having a problem with your spouse uh or significant other however you want to phrase it um you know hey give me a minute um explain to them how your car factors into your mental health look Mm -hmm. hey after a drive, I have a very clear head. It gives me distance from the problem, and I'm really able to think about something and not have it be right in my face. I could be just kind of cruising and let it just flow over me. Um, if we explain that, it gives us a much better place to deal with other people and to show them the significance of how cars uh, I you know, and our culture play out. Uh, positively for our mental health. And I think that's a really good uh, emphasis that we can put on cars and car culture that we can show to other people. Because I know in the, you know, trying to customize my own car in it being very difficult to do so, and trying to find new ways to do it, all of the interactions I've had with other car people that have either been owners of shops or uh, engineers working on the problem themselves, they've all been really great uh, experiences. And I, I can't say that I've really had a negative experience in dealing with another person around my car and what I was trying to do with it. And I think that's incredibly significant. Absolutely. And
0: that kind of ties into something I mentioned as well uh, earlier, which which is community right now. I see a lot of uh, vets at car shows. I see a lot of support organizations that show up as well. You go to the bigger car shows. There's always a tent there with there's some organization there that's talking about, you know, veterans and things like that. Um, But, you know, let's boil that down to more of the the basics there and, and how that relates to community. Not only are you getting a little bit of that feedback, a little bit of that, you know, that break mentally when you're driving your car. But when you're actively engaging in the car enthusiast community, it is exactly that. It is it is a community. And, you know, you talked about how you spent a lot of time kind of just in your house, you know, kind of isolated and being able to uh, break out into, a, you know, a community where everyone's sharing a common interest. There's a sense of camaraderie just in the the shared interest in cars and, you know, performance cars and whatever, you know, and in different builds and things like that. How has that helped?
2: Yeah, it's been, um, it's definitely been a game changer, honestly. Um, so as, uh, as everybody kind of has been shown by the way everything is going, um, after having lockdown, we can all say that, you know, significantly it's important to be around other people um so in that regard it can be it can be difficult and i'm uh guilty of it myself it can be difficult as an adult to make friends but it could be really weird <laughs> oh mean, it, uh, it
0: it can be especially when you you grow up you know making you know a majority of your friends say as a kid in school right you know you're you're an adult you move out of state you do whatever i, I see what you mean
2: for sure yeah you all have to be like trapped in there and tortured together so like yeah you guys are gonna be <laughs> friends oh yeah so uh, this this does provide an opportunity for finding community. Community is incredibly important to our mental health. Um, social support networks can be used to offput some of the effects of depression. And I honestly, I, most people are probably feeling some of the effects of depression these days. Um, so being in a very conscious aware space and going out and interacting with people and trying to have positive outcomes, um is incredibly enriching it's going to leave you feeling better you can have a smile on your face i i've never not had a smile on my face when somebody has looked at me and said oh man that car looks really cool like how can you not
0: right right absolutely and i i agree with that and you know also too when you uh if you ever pass another enthusiast another owner on the you know of a fun car on the on the road and you get that thumbs up, too. That's always good. Or when you give that thumbs up, and the guy's like, hey, nice. You know, that's that's, again, that sense of community that, again, is built around a, a shared a shared passion for for the same thing. Uh, so and that's again, I think that's one of the coolest things about the the car scene. Now, again, my guest is Sean Bedingfield. Um, he is a army veteran. He is a mental health advocate and he is a car guy. Now, Sean, uh, what you know, folks have a lot of different experiences, things can be different, especially when you're talking about veterans coming back and stuff. But what would you say to a guy, you know, in a way to get started to this? How would a guy who's been in a similar situation to yours, what would you tell to him in terms of getting started with this?
2: The biggest thing is to seek professional help. If you have access to any sort of professional help, that is always going to be your best bet. Um, I, I tell everybody, it, it you don't have to have negative mental health Uh, outcomes to talk to a therapist. And in that, um, knowing what the value of talking can do, um, engaging with friends and being social around the car stuff, um, that can kind of be exactly the same thing. I don't want to say that you can replace uh, therapy with just talking to somebody. But when you get to the nuts and bolts of it that kind of is what it, all you're doing is you're you're able to openly express yourself to somebody who's not going to judge you and that's usually a friend or somebody you know in uh, a social community of yours um and you're finding validation
0: right right absolutely uh, and again i think it's 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 definitely one of those things that's you know really important you know mental health is one of those things that often It goes overlooked, right? Because in a lot of ways it doesn't present itself tangibly, but perhaps, you know, your mental health, you know, and I, I, am no medical professional, but I've heard from folks who talk about how your mental health affects the rest of you too. It affects your physical health in other, maybe less obvious ways. And again, being able to break into something that's good, you know, to break into something that has community, that has all this stuff that, that, that does bring you a sense of belonging can definitely help with that. Do you think so?
2: Oh, absolutely. If you can go on, if you're a Facebook person, go find a Facebook group for your local car scene. And if they have a meet, go out to meet, go talk to somebody. Uh, it it can be a lot of fun when I go out. Um, I do my best to make sure that people leave with a positive feeling like, Hey man, that car looks really cool. Um, why don't you tell me all about it? Because I'm there. Um, just as much to be an outlet for them as they are for me and being equitable. Uh, we should kind of all go into it with that kind of perspective, I think.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And I, I absolutely agree with you on that. And again, I think it's a, it's kind of an eye opener too, in some ways, when you, when you talk about how cars have helped you personally, and, you know, you know, I think about how cars, you know, the reasons we love them. And again, the the reasons we love them sometimes aren't as is tangible. You know, he's just, I just like it. It just makes me feel good. I just like this, or I just love looking at this car, you know, and it, it, all ties, it all ties into that. Now, um, just out of, out of curiosity, just to indulge in this here, you talked about having your, uh, Ford Taurus show.
2: Uh, tell me a little bit about that car as, as it is right now. Oh man. Um, so I was really lucky in that. I was able to find, uh, a 2018 Taurus show with a performance pack in 2019 um around here everybody drives trucks nobody likes sedans so it was pretty cheap and uh as soon as we drove it it was i i was in love with it because i i scouring the interwebs as i was you know homebound um it looked to me to be one of the best uh bargains performance wise so would you get horsepower uh versus what you're paying and i gotta say at thirty-two thousand, it was uh, it was a it was a hell of a bargain. So, <laughs> uh, right now I have a uh bigger intercooler from Gearhead, uh, which is the only aftermarket intercooler specifically made as a drop-in uh to the Taurus show. It's a it's a very small uh, enthusiast community for this car. And it's an even smaller group of people who have gone out on a limb and made, uh, mods for it. So shout out to Matt, your head. He tuned my car and I got my intercooler from him. Um, so with that, uh, three bar map sensor, dropping in some spark plugs. N- now we're looking at around like 400 to 425, like wheel horsepower. And <laughs> You know, and that's just the beginning. I got—I I couldn't help myself. I got a um, a pro meth intake uh, that's been tapped for doing all the port injection of the meth. Uh, we're gonna go a little bananas on the build. I think I could get some upgraded turbos uh, from Gearhead coming soon.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, the Taurus—the Taurus show is an interesting car to me, and I, I'm disappointed that you know Ford kind of discontinued that along with its other, you know cars Ford says we don't make cars anymore sedans and things like that and you know that that car's got a cool history when you look back at the Ford Taurus show back you know 20-30 years ago um, that was a strange application of a very cool engine in at the time which was the just just the Taurus you know you had that Yamaha built um, engine in the original and I think it's very cool that they they brought that back you know at least for a couple of years as far as Ford performance sedans go, that's the, that's really all you got. And I think it's super cool.
2: That's it, man. Well, no, they uh, they have uh, Well, they don't make it anymore. But there was the Ford Fusion Sport that they had done the 2.7 twin turbo in all wheel drive. So that's that's nothing. Uh, some boys out there have tuned those up. Uh, they're getting some pretty good numbers out there.
0: Wow. Well and and again it's a it's a fun build and it's also kind of understated too. I I do (laughs) kind of subtly like the fact that, you know, if you were like if that pulled up behind you and, you know, you're looking at it, you're like, uh, is that a is that a police officer? What what is that? You're gonna think it's a cop and you're gonna slow down. It
2: happens so much. (laughs) It's I I've done some aesthetic things that I, I that scream, Hey, I'm I'm not the fuzz, but uh, it's still hard to translate. People are, are still traumatized.
0: <laughs> oh, man. The gold wheels on it, though. You sent me some photos. The gold wheels look mint on it. I'll tell you that. They look great.
2: I, I named my car Big Booty Betty just because if you look at the Taurus show, those hips don't lie. Like, they go on for days. <laughs> uh, but with with the right aesthetic changes to the car, it can look like uh, not a giant boomer chrome boat
0: i see what you mean yep you kind of got some (laughs) things a little blacked out on it you know making it look a little more subtle Uh, uh, you know sometimes the little things it's the little things with cars that go a long way when you got a lot of little things and they add up it absolutely looks good
2: oh yeah like i used to uh and i'm gonna out myself as a bit of a nerd here i used to paint uh warhammer miniatures and like it's all about lighting and lines and you can hide a lot of things with the right colors uh with the right lines there you go.
0: There you go. And uh, I will say, as a as a side note on that, just a side thing. One of my friends is into Warhammer, and it blows my mind how expensive that stuff gets. But I mean, I'm used to spending a lot of money on cars, and spending a lot of money on like Warhammer, like figures and merch. Mind blowing. Some of the stuff. Oh is,
2: yeah, buddy. You, you insane. You, just you, a side note. Bananas.
0: I'm, I'm sure half of the listeners are like, "What are they talking about? What?" But trust me it's that that's it's little you,
2: plastic army men. they're super expensive that's all you need to know
0: <laughs> oh yeah and and if you thought that cars was an expensive hobby just yeah don't don't even get to that so now Sean uh before we wrap up here uh do you have any other I guess closing thoughts and any other recommendations what you would say to a guy who's maybe finding himself in a similar situation to
2: one that you were in hey we're we're all humans. And a lot of car people, whether we admit it or not, we're we're out for a tactile f- sensation, right? We're we're after that feel good. Um that's important for us. When you were a baby, you were probably driven around in a car and that puts you to sleep. So think about that. Absolutely, absolutely. Sean Bettingfield, my guest. Sean, thank you for joining
0: me right here on Automotive ADHD. Thanks, Ben. Awesome. And I want to thank you as well for joining me and listening to this edition of the Automotive ADHD show. What did I tell you? Such a packed show. We got to all sorts of good stuff. Of course, you can keep up with the show on your favorite podcast platform wherever fine shows and this one are downloaded. Remember to subscribe on Spotify. That's how they know you listen to the show. That's how they know to bump it up and promote it to more people. Give it a rating as well. Six stars, blow it up on there. Uh, And also a reminder. Now the show is on video platforms as well. It's on YouTube and rumble. Check out the podcast description for links to both of those really good stuff in the works. Again, I want to thank Sean for joining me. What a great show. And I will see you right here. Same time, same place next week. When, um, there is a good chance, a strong possibility, that we'll talk more cars. I'll see you then.